You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. As you can see from the title, you know what we're talking about today. Porn addiction, how to beat it, how to handle it, how is it defined? What is it all about? Well, I have a guest, his name is Frank Rich, and he his, his life goal, his mission on earth is to help men with porn addiction. He had addiction himself, and speaking of addiction, we even define what that means, what that entails, and then how it's related to porn. Anyway, Frank, on this episode, really dives deep and trying to help guys as much as possible, give some really practical tips, and also tells us some stories to scare us straight a little bit about how bad it can be and how rough porn addiction really is. And then how to know if you even have it. Maybe you think you do, maybe you're not sure. We talk about all that and more on this interview. I want to thank Frank for coming on and just you know being real with the guys out there. It's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not easy to say that you've once been addicted to anything, especially porn. And he was very honest with us. And the reason why he's helping guys today is because he had those issues. Well, let's be honest. A lot of us coaches are in that same boat, right? One of the reasons why I help guys with dating is because I had to solve that for myself. Shyness and attraction and flirting and all that stuff. How to talk to girls. I didn't know how to talk to girls. And then I learned it, and now I'm teaching you that. But today, we're going to talk about the darker side of what it means to be a man, right? Have these urges and then have just these potential consequences of what is readily available to us. He even mentions, which you're going to hear on today's episode, that the average age of of watching porn or or being introduced to porn is 10, 11 years old. Can you imagine? Just go back in your mind for a second. Your 10, 11 year old self watching what you might've seen right now when you go to Pornhub or wherever. Just crazy. Too young, man. It's an epidemic. It's out there. It's bad. You might be struggling with it. Hopefully this episode gives you a little bit of help. So why don't we dive run, dive in right now with Frank. We're talking about porn addiction. What's going on, Frank? Good to have you on the show. Trip, my brother. Honored to be here, man. Yeah, man. Um, I forgot. How did we get in touch? Doug. Doug Bobst. I thought, um, yeah, I thought you were going to say Doug. Yeah. Yeah. So I've uh, I've known Doug for, for a couple of years, man. He was actually episode 35 of my podcast. We're coming up on like 165, 166 Damn, right now. So nice. he was, yeah. So he was in those, he was in those early years, man, when I had no clue what I was doing, man, I was just stumbling along, you know, trying to, trying to have valuable conversations. And then he's been blown up, man. I think you, I think you've been on his show for a while. So yep. he just had me on a couple of weeks back and we were just talking, sharing, you know, who can we connect each other with? And, you know, your name kind of came up and I think there's a lot of parallels, right. In our audiences. So yeah, really looking forward to, uh, to this conversation. Sweet, man. Well, yeah. Tell us about yourself, your background, how you got into coaching, what you coach and all that good stuff. 
Absolutely, man. You know, I guess in kind of, you know, not to make this super long winded, but today, you know, I'm host of the Superman Life and, you know, CEO founder of CEO founder of Rebuilt Recovery, which our mission is to help men become better men by quitting porn and then rebuilding their lives. The journey into porn addiction, you know, started with my own journey, right? You know, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, yeah, I really want to, you know, help men struggle with this area and this conversation that most sure. people don't really want to right. address. But, you know, I struggled with, you know, porn addiction for almost 20 years, found my freedom at the beginning of 2019. I'd been an entrepreneur, man, and, I, and I'd really been a coach, you know, my entire life. When people ask me, like, how do I identify myself? It's, it really is a, a coach. I mean, I was very fortunate coming up in sports and athletics to have amazing coaches around me, had incredible mentors early in my business life. So I've always seen and understood the power of having influential people around you. So that's something I've always tried to do myself, whether it was in personal training or in bodybuilding coaching, other things that I've done in my past. But to get to where I am today, it was really overcoming my own struggles first, seeing how that changed me, and then really starting the podcast to get my story and other people's like Doug's out there as well. The podcast originally was really just a passion project. I was running a very successful marketing agency at the time and just having conversations with people on a weekly basis. About six months into that, men started to reach out and they were like, hey, Frank, we love what you're talking about. We love what you're, what you're sharing here, but we've been struggling it truthfully trip up until 2019, I knew I had a problem with porn addiction, but I didn't realize how big of an epidemic it was across the world. Well, let's get more specific because I, I, you know, I bet you people can think or guys can think of porn addiction in, in multiple ways. I don't know. Maybe they think they're addicted and they, they watch it for 10 minutes a day. Maybe they don't think they're addicted and they watch it for an hour every single day. Like, so I'm curious for you specifically, like how bad was it? It was pretty bad. It, it was daily for, I can't say it was daily for 20 years because I didn't have access to it to be daily for, for 20 years. But around 2015, 2016, by this point, I'm running, you know, I'm running a business somewhat successful, right? We're doing a couple hundred grand per year in the entertainment industry. Uh, but I'm working from home. So I got a lot of spare time, a lot of free time. And obviously internet is readily available. You know, for the first 10 years of my addiction, it was, and I don't even know if it had been an addiction then because I didn't have access to it. Once I got the internet and once I got streaming, it became a daily habit. And if I go even deeper than that, there were points in my life where I would avoid social situations. You have friends inviting you out and it's like, hey, I'd much rather stay at home and consume pornography. Or even, so in my early 20s, I worked uh, in, the, in the wireless industry. Uh, we worked for a T-Mobile distributor. Or I worked for a T-Mobile distributor across 13, 14 locations all over the state of Florida. So I was always in and out of shopping malls. There were times in my early 20s, like I would leave the store, leave the kiosk where I was working at, go to like a Nordstrom's, go to a Dillard's because they had these big private restrooms and sit there and watch pornography in public restrooms. So it was bad. You know, um, that was, that was my story. It was things caused erectile dysfunction. It caused a lot of sexual issues and performance side of things. So yeah, for me, that, that was my story. It was definitely something that was a major problem and had major impacts in how I saw people, how I related to people and even how I saw myself. Damn. So killed your self-esteem. I, I could probably imagine. Oh, absolutely. Right. And it kills it through the shame, right? Because yeah, you're seeking these things out and maybe you think they feel good in the moment, but the minute you're done, you're like, you know, this isn't aligned with who you want to be. You know, this isn't actually what you should be doing. So I think the shame and guilt that I carried and men carry today 
is what really has a massive impact on the confidence or esteem, like you said. What do you think that guilt is? A guilt over what? It's a great question. You know, it's like, yeah, I've been there. You watch some pornography, you're doing the deed, and afterwards you're like, uh, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I can imagine maybe it's coming from a place of like, man, that could have been a real woman, but instead it was a screen. I think because you know that you're better and, and that it's not real and that you're, you're living in a fantasy realm. And, you know, then I think when you're really struggling with it, it almost feels it just like with any addiction, man, it feels like it's got power over you. Like there's not another alternative. Like if I don't go do this thing now, it's like, I can't continue on. So I think the, the, the guilt and shame comes from why does this thing have so much control and power over my life? Yeah. What have you seen in terms of guys' addictions? So you kind of mentioned like you were watching in public. What have you heard from other guys? Man, the, the stories and conversations. Like share the horror stories. And I think I say that not for entertainment purposes, but more so so we can be like, oh God, like scare us a little bit. Yeah. I mean, personal stories that I've heard. I mean, dozens, if not, you know, hundreds of men at this point that, that I've had conversations with, whether they're just, you know, on the consultation calls or guys that are in our program, you know, it gets to a certain point and just like with any addiction or any behavior, right? There's a desensitization effect. You know, what you're consuming today, you're going to need more and more over time to produce that same level of feeling. Now you can only go so far with pornography, right? You're going to reach the end of the road eventually. So you're going to get into more hardcore, more graphic. I mean, I've had conversations with men that they can only get off by viewing, you know, trans porn or gay porn because it's such a shocking stimulus to the brain. Now you take that a layer deeper. What happens when porn stops working? Now you're getting into sex workers, right? So, I mean, escorts, prostitution, you know, and then I have a whole nother kind of realm that I'm, that I'm in on the human trafficking side with some of the organizations that we're involved in. But those are probably the, the, the darker stories is when guys can't even control it to where they need to start now paying for sex. Where porn does, doesn't even work anymore. It just doesn't do anything. And I even had conversations. So I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with a personal friend of mine right now. I'm not going to share his name, but we were together last week and meeting some of his friends and asked me what I do. And, you know, I'm kind of sharing this thing, which I, I enjoy, man. I'm, you know, I'm fully open and transparent and, you know, I'm not ashamed to talk about the work that I do with anybody, even, even new people meeting them for the first time, but talking with my friends or my buddy's friend and my friend is in the other room and he overhears me talking about porn addiction. And he's like, Frank, I think I have a problem. And I was like, I know you do because you've told me before that you have to watch pornography while you're having sex. So for him, it's like he Ouch. needs the visual stimulation to produce the feeling that he can then even like get off sexually with a woman. Yeah, that's not, that's no good. Not good when at it, all. When it's gotten to that point, you know, there's one thing where you watch it for fun as like this kink or something with your partner, but to have to watch in order to to feel that same feeling as having sex. Yeah, and I was there, man. I I I I was there never at the point where I needed it in the moment, but in my dating, you know, my early thirties, like a lot of things have changed with me now with, you know, my faith and kind of how I see the world here today. But at a point in my, in my thirties, you know, when I was having, you know, sex out of marriage or whatever, it's like, I would definitely, if I knew that, like we were doing the deed this tonight, like I'd make sure I got some porn in 
earlier that day. Cause it, for me, I just felt like it made a better sexual experience. And I was fully aware of this at the time, but it was just like, Hey, this is, this is setting me up for later. So I think, you know, when you're living in that space, it's like, you're aware, but you're not doing anything about it. Like that is a clear sign that like the addiction has control and power over your life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, it's interesting. Someone wrote a comment on a a YouTube video that I put out that was about, you know, masturbating and, and things like that. And in the, in the video, I mentioned like an addiction to porn, not myself, but just in general. Yeah. Right? And someone commented, I don't know, some paragraph saying it's not real. Porn addiction isn't a real thing. Something along the lines of it's, there's no studies that have been done on it. It's not in the journal of medicine under what can be considered an addiction. The only thing that are actual addictions are like drugs and gambling. And this isn't an official addiction. It's just like, Wow. I think he, I actually replied back to him and I think he deleted the comment. Yeah. He realized how dumb that was because let's be real. How could, I just couldn't even imagine you not believing or thinking that pornography can be an addiction. Like an app, first of all, sex addiction is a real thing. Yeah. And while this isn't sex, it's the same thing because it produces that same feeling, that same release of dopamine. And there are people who watch hours and hours of porn every day mm-hmm. and it gets in the way of their life. If you don't call that an addiction, I don't know what you call that. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? No, man, I get that. You know, I get that question or I get that comment quite a bit, right? You know, as much content as, as I've created here in the last couple of years, it's one that comes up pretty regularly. You know, my immediate kind of response back to that is how are you defining addiction? You know, because most people don't have a clear definition of, of what they define an addiction to be. And then secondly, if they can answer that, then what makes that person an authority to speak on something like there is no such thing as this addiction? Now, there was some truth in what he said, right? Porn addiction like porn addiction is not defined in the DSM five, which is the clinical kind of medicine book that recognizes all that. But what's interesting is gambling and video games are both in there, which are artificial kind of false realities, right? Like a video game creates a very, you know, fantasy type of world that you inject yourself into. So you can be addicted to that, but you can't be addicted to the fantasy world. You know, I had Dr. Anna Lemke, who is uh, Stanford's head of addiction on, on the oh. podcast. She also wrote dopamine yeah. nation, right? Um, Sorry, I interrupted you. What, what did she write? Dopamine Nation. Dopamine Nation. Oh, I got to read that. That's Dopamine Nation. Yeah. Okay. So I asked her, you know, what is addiction defined as by you? And it's the continued or repeated use of substance and or behavior despite negative consequences to self and or others. So repeated use of substance or behavior. So the repeated use of the behavior of consuming pornography, despite the negative consequences. So if it's had an impact on how you show up to work, if it's had an impact on how you show up in your relationship, it's had an impact on how you even see other people, that's a negative consequence. So that definition proves us that yes, it can be clearly defined. And there's plenty of studies. They're doing them in Dr. Anna Lemke's uh, practice. They're doing them across the board. So there is there. And I do believe that we're going to see the point here very soon that it makes its way into that clinical book. But I think most people, when they hear that, or, or when they say that it's a deflection of themselves because they're viewing that as a judgment. Like I'm, I'm never judging anybody for what you do live your life and we're all free. And as long as you're an adult, you have the ability to make the choices and decisions for yourself. 
but I can tell you because I lived it and I've had conversations with thousands of men at this point that it is having negative consequences on their brain, on their motivation, on their joy, on their ability to show up in relationships at work, produce a fruitful and meaningful life. So yeah, it's one I get a lot, man, but I think those are the best two ways to respond is how are you defining it? Most people can't give you that definition. And then what makes you an authority to speak on something like that? Yeah, totally. Okay. So you've had conversations with thousands of men on this topic. So what are they saying? Help. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right. Like by, by the point that they're reaching out to me, a guy on the internet that is you know, creating daily content, talking about the negative impacts, talking about how it changed my life and sharing stories of how it's changed the men inside of our program. A lot of times it's help or suffering. That's a big one is, is I think a lot of guys. How are they suffering? Like, what do they say? They suffer with the the belief and confidence because if you've identified and recognized that porn is having a negative impact and you're sick and tired of it, you've said to yourself at some point, just like you said, right? You know, you watch it, you feel good in the moment, but then that guilt and shame kind of comes immediately. Every single man that is trying to work through this has shut his laptop one time or often dozens of times and said, that's it. This is the last time I'm doing this. Like they voice that out to themselves. But then maybe it's the next day, maybe it's even later that night, or maybe it's a few days later, they're right back in the same place. And they're having that same exact conversation. So over time, that just begins to eat away at like your own confidence in yourself of like, why can't I get control over this? So I think the suffering comes in the form of like, they just don't see themselves worthy to maybe have a life free of this. They don't believe that they're ever going to be able to remove it out of their life. Now I'm a Christian and, and a big part of our audience does come from a Christian community, right? So I think these guys have another layer of shame with their worldview and they just see it as like, I'm not acting in alignment with, you know, God's truth for my life. So those guys see it in a, in a different realm, but, but, but across the board, I think it's just impacting their ability to connect with people, connect with women and really hijacking the motivation. I mean, I've had guys that like, they don't clean their apartments. They don't do dishes. Like they literally like can't get up moving. It's like the only thing that brings them any type of like, I don't even want to say joy, any type of excitement is like the anticipation of the next porn video. Which that's what dopamine is, right? Yeah. Isn't dopamine, the whole idea behind dopamine being released in the brain is anticipation. That's anticipation, why, motivation to keep you moving towards. The right. Motivation. Goal, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's why we feel more pleasure like right before we're about to eat versus when mm-hmm. we're actually eating. Yep. I learned that in this book called Happy Chemicals. Mm. It talks about dopamine, serotonin. Are you about to show it to me? Or are you writing it down? I'm writing it down. Okay. I, was like, <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, got it right here. Um, yeah, happy chemicals, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins. And mm-hmm. so those are the four happy chemicals. It teaches us the purpose of each chemical, dopamine, motivation, Yep. And that's what, so one of the reasons for it on an evolutionary standpoint is because it had to, had to be there to keep us happy and awake and alive to go and hunt Mm -hmm. and get the food. It was motivation for survival, right? And everything comes back to, to survival. So, um, yeah, I can imagine, you know, someone's going to be real excited right before they're about to watch porn, probably even more so before than actually when they're watching it. And I bet you those dopamine levels 
yeah. probably start to just go down and down and down and down. And then if you're masturbating and you're done, it's just depleted. Mm-hmm. Well, that dope, like yeah, that that dopamine, that anticipation thing—that's a danger with like a lot of social media these days, right? Like TikTok has really kind of dialed in on this. Like they understand, you know, the algorithm understands you, understands your your interests and your desires and wants. So it's like that. It's always an anticipation. Like maybe the next one, maybe the next one, maybe the next one. I was having a conversation with a client the other day. You know, a lot of the guys when they come in, like they'll completely remove all social media off their phone, at least for a detox period, short time while they're going through our program. But one of the guys, like he's like, I was just having a tough night. He's like, I literally downloaded the app on my phone. He's like, I started to feel like the feelings of like, I can't wait to get this thing open. He recognized it because we've been working through this in our program. He immensely was able to see what was going on and delete it. But yeah, social media is a big driver because it's that, that constant scrolling of like, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? But you see it in porn as, as, as well, right? The algorithm on the back end of these porn sites is built in exactly the same way as, as social media. So they know what you're going to want to see before you even get to that point and they can drip that stuff out or your, you know, your, your homepage or whatever on your porn sites begin to show you what they believe is going to really drive you to want more and more and more. And then before you know it, you're six, seven, eight hours into this thing. You're like, what, what just happened? Like, where did all, where did my life just go? Yeah. No, uh, listen, there's been times when I've been on TikTok scrolling (laughs) and I just completely lose track of time. And then I go, what, what am I doing? Like it, it, and it's funny because the way you just put it perfectly describes it. It's like you're trying to get like one more thing. Yep. And it's hard to even explain what that thing is. I don't even know. You don't know. It's just, it's kind of abstract. It's more just like this dopamine hit, right? Yep. Just keeps you addicted. I don't know. It's like, it's like any other addiction I can imagine. Gambling, smoking a cigarette, something like that. It's yeah. like you're never really fully content, which is what brings you back more and more and more. Yeah. And that awareness, you know, hearing you, hearing you talk about that, like I, I had the same issue, man. Like if I, if I'm not aware, like I can easily fall into the trap just as quick as anybody. And this is what I do for a living. Right. You know, I think that was the point for me in like, you know, early 2000, mid 2019, when like I'd gotten on the other side of this thing, cause I'd been in personal development for 10, 15 years. I had already gone to the, the courses, the seminars, been listening to podcasts for five, six, seven years. Like I really looked at myself as like somebody understood like peak performance, understood success, human nature, development, psychology, like this. I've spent almost 15 years now studying these things. If I was still able to get caught up in this thing without the awareness, what about all the men out there, right? That are listening to this today that don't have that background. So that was a real driver for me at the beginning is like, man, nobody is immune to this thing. It doesn't matter who you are. Even with Dr. Anna Lemke, right? You know, one of the amazing things about her book is here's a woman has dedicated her life to researching and working in the clinical world with helping patients. She opens the book up with her own personal struggles with the Twilight series. Like, so she had an addiction to fantasy novels because that's really the female pornography. So even as a professional, like if we're not aware and constantly having guardrails up and constantly evaluating what we're doing, we can fall back into the same patterns and cycles as anybody. Right. God, isn't it just crazy? Yeah. It just, it blows my mind. Like Twilight, fantasy novels, literotica, Mm -hmm. you know, I was going to say earlier too, you were talking about behaviors that could be addicting, right? Versus substances. So as you were saying that, I was like thinking, all right, what other behaviors are addicting, right? So sex, porn, it's like, well, beyond that. And what came up was work, 
the people mm. who are workaholics who have work addiction. Yeah. That's another thing, right? Are there any others that you know off the top of your head? Other types of behaviors that are um, addicting? I mean, food, I don't know if, if food eating would be, you know, classified as a behavior. I think gambling is a behavior, right? Video games, Video uh, games behavior. Yeah. yeah, those are the those are the big ones. I had a love biologist on uh, breaking down like the four stages that our brain goes through when we fall in love. People get addicted to like the 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 first like three to six months because your amygdala shuts off and it kind of creates this kind of like fear centric thing where it's like you you kind of lose like cognitive ability to like make rational decisions. And once you kind of get like deeper into the relationship and your awareness comes back, you realize like I don't even like this person, but I was I was entrenched in the chemicals that were being released. So the pursuit of finding a uh, a woman, I think, could be a behavior that people get addicted to, or on the adverse effects, even on women, right? The pursuit of finding the man in their life, I think, could be in a, a behavior that people could get caught up in. Right. Love addiction. Yeah. That's definitely a real thing. I've read about that in the past. People who are addicted to starting relationships, that kind of, I mean, talk about the amount of oxytocin and dopamine just rush. Actually, I don't know if it's dopamine. I think it's like serotonin and oxytocin that just rush through your brain when you fall in love, when you meet someone, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's just crazy. And then, and then that starts to wane over time when you start to get to know someone and people can get addicted to wanting that new, that, that feeling of love, you know, the, the new spark, so to speak. Which, yeah, it just, it, it can get pretty intense. And then that can kind of manifest itself. So this was from Dawn's conversation we had. Dawn, Dawn Maslow, Biggie, she goes by the, the love biologist. So what will happen then is at that point in the relationship, that's when kind of people will begin to kind of like interject like false conflict, right? Like if I could create tension in this relationship, then we have a thing that we need to kind of make up on and we can produce those feel good chemicals again on the other side. But it's the addiction is I need to create the tension in the relationship to produce the feel good feeling. So that's where that can kind of begin to manifest in a relationship. If you catch yourself like falling out of love with somebody, but not wanting to, to let it go. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now I'm curious, let's talk about how, when you help people, right? You coach people through this process. So tell me, how do you help people? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just like with any addiction, right, it's it's the acknowledgement and acceptance that this behavior, addiction, substance, whatever it is, does have somewhat control over you. I mean, you know, when you look at 12 steps, right, they've done probably more good for the addiction community than any other organization within the world. I partially agree and disagree with step one, though, right? I think we do need to recognize and accept that there's something that's got a little bit of control over us, right? It's that recognition. Where I don't buy into that is we need to every day begin to recognize and identify ourselves as the addict. So we have a seven-step process we kind of walk guys through. The first one is literally just the acknowledgement and acceptance, right? We kind of talked about it at the beginning. Like there's probably guys that are going to listen to this today that are addicted and just are not willing to accept it. Well, if you're going to change, you know, your life, you have to accept that you've gotten yourself in the position where change is going to be. Is that like step one of the AA program? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Where, where, where their step is a little bit differently is they want that daily surrender forever. Like 12 steps. Every time you walk into a meeting, it's like, you have to accept I am an addict and and it, and it begins to become your identity and label. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. And I think when people begin to identify themselves on a daily basis as an addict, that injects a limiting belief because yeah, I can be an addict and get control over it. 
where I believe we actually had the ability to transcend the addiction, create a new identity and step into that. So yeah, it needs to be a partial acceptance, but then a radical responsibility that I'm going to be the only person that changes it. You know, it's not due to, and yeah, people do have sexual trauma, right? And I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to not recognize that, but your addiction you can't hold on to the addiction because of something that happened in your past. Like you have to, if, if it's produced maybe a series of events that have led you here, understand that process that, but we're going to have to make some radical changes. So the next thing that we do is we help these guys really create a clear vision for their life without pornography. If you've been struggling with something for 10 years, your entire identity is wrapped up in you being the person that is struggling with this behavior. Well, if you're going to overcome this, if you're going to create a new life, we want to get really, really clear on what that life is. So if you can go five years, the next five years, 100% porn free, what can your health and fitness look like? Cause these are like the areas of life that have probably gotten less attention, the health, the fitness, the faith, the family, maybe the finances. So wherever the negative impact has had a place, we want to help you begin to create visions to begin to produce fruitful outcomes in those lives. A big part of our work is getting these guys into a community though. I think because when you're struggling with an addiction, the addiction feeds itself in isolation. So if you're not around people on a regular basis, talking through these things, hearing other success stories, having open conversation and dialogue, getting the shame lifted off of you because like shame is oftentimes there because you're not talking about the struggles that, that you're going through. But if you can get an open space uh, with other men that are all working through this, you need to kind of lift yourself out of that. So we help you recognize it. We help you identify how it's had a negative impact on your life, but then create a vision for your life without it. And then we'll help you build the steps to get there. Now we have tools on how to manage the triggers, but a lot of our work is, is, is built around an identity change. And it's kind of become, you know, I guess the ethos for our company that I believe the only way to overcome your pornography addiction is to become the man that is no longer addicted to porn. And it's in that word become that where that identity change really takes place. Got it. Now, real quick, I think it might be important to distinguish the differences between watching porn and masturbating. So are we saying that this is masturbating or are we saying this is, is this porn addiction or masturbation addiction? And what's, what's the difference? Yeah. Well, we specifically work through and talk on porn addiction, but I think oftentimes porn, like porn is the catalyst for masturbation. Right. right. You know, like you're not, you're not, some guys just sit there and watch porn without masturbating. But I think oftentimes that's, that's the end goal. That's the completion state. Right. So for us, it is focused on pornography. I've never had a guy that comes to say, I just can't stop masturbating without porn. Like if he's healthily doing that, I think that there's a lot of great, you know, maybe Eastern medicine practices as far as like healthy masturbation that, that, that can be okay. But the men that we're working with are specifically struggling with pornography. And oftentimes mas- masturbation is going to be linked up within that, right? You know, there's, there's like a three letter acronym, PMO addiction, porn, masturbation, orgasm. That's okay. like a lot of the language, like in the, in the space that is, that is used. Got it. Okay. Okay, cool. Cause I think it, you know, it's something that, you know, needs to be kind of discussed in the sense where, you know, you could be watching, I, you know, I've heard of people who watch porn at work. They might not be masturbating, but they're just looking at it. Yeah. They're just watching it. 
you know, you're, you could just be watching it for hours a day. Maybe yeah. you're not even touching yourself. You're just looking at it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure that guy at some point is going to complete that cycle, right? Like it's right. going to, it's, it's going to be done Sometime at home. That day. Yeah. It's going to be done at home, but there's, you know, there's, there's bringing back the definition, right? You know, repeated use of substance or behavior despite negative consequences. If you're watching pornography at work and not masturbating when you should be working, it's a pretty big negative consequence, right? Cause you're not doing your job, whether it's, you know, you're a business owner, entrepreneur, like you're not going to be able to grow your business. Or if you're just literally just robbing your, 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 your employer because they're paying you to consume porn. Like that seems like a pretty big negative consequence in my eyes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's all bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. to me, it almost seems even darker. Like yeah. you go to the bathroom, you're fully just clothed. You're sitting on the toilet yeah. on top of it, just watching porn, Been- not even touching yourself. Yeah. You say, been there? I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not shaming anyone for it, but I'm just, let's be honest. It's a dark place Yeah. to be doing something like that. It's like, yeah, you should be working, you know? Mm-hmm. But then again, are any of us any better looking at TikTok, you know, during the day, but you're like nonsense. I mean, it's one thing if you actually take, like I'm on TikTok, right? I have a TikTok channel. It gives dating advice. It's one thing if you're maybe watching some TikTok stuff and literally learning from it, taking notes, you know, taking action on some of the things yeah. you learn. But I bet you a majority of people guilty as charged over here. have just scrolled through and not doing shit. And you don't even remember it. It's like you black out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It hijacks, man. And, and I, you know, what we try to help our guys understand is like, I'm not against social media, man. I'm just like you, right? Like we have all the channels. Yeah, we're, you know? also, we're on it. You know what yeah, I mean? You, know, you can, you can um, use it for good. That's for yeah, sure. You, you can use it or it can use you. And I think yeah. that there's a, you know, there's a big distinction there, right? You know, if you've identified that the, that the, the social media has its grips on you or pornography has its grips on you, there's, there's an area that, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How much masturbating is too much masturbating? Let's say in a week period. Is there an answer for that? Is there an answer for how much is too much? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I imagine it's, it's a subjective thing. I would, I would say partially subjective, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be the person here that's going to be able to pull on a research here, but I do know that there are some research studies out there in terms of an optimal time, like kind of time frame. So if, so I just heard, I think it was Derek from more plates, more dates talk about this. I think on day seven without masturbation, you get a massive spike in your testosterone, but then by day eight, it's kind of dropped back down to baseline and then it stays at baseline forever. So there really should be a cycle and, and it, and it should be optimal. Now, Dave Asprey, founder of Bulletproof Coffee, he was on the podcast and he talked about this, like you take your age and you subtract seven from it and then you divide it in half. And that kind of gives you the optimal amount of time that a man is supposed to ejaculate. I don't think that there's any real like Western medical evidence that supports that. I think it's more of kind of like a, <laughs> like an Eastern thing, but yeah, man, I don't, I don't want to speak on something here that I'm, you know, like wouldn't have the actual answer, but I, I would assume that there is going to be a time where there is too, too much. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think the way I've said it before on, on other podcasts, episodes that I've done is you just got to be honest with yourself. Like, is it getting in the way? Yeah. You know, is, is it getting in the way? Is it getting in the, is it stopping or preventing you from doing other things that are good for you? Is it producing negative consequences to self and or others, right? Yep. You know, and then here's like, so I know this is mostly single guys here, but if you're in a relationship and you're masturbating so much that in your relationship, whether it's, you know, dating or with a, 
with, with a wife, like you can't then be there for her sexually. That's a negative consequence, maybe not to yourself, but now there's another person involved in there. So yeah, I think it's an evaluation of really looking at like, where is this serving me or is it holding, you know, is it having consequences on my life? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where you just have to be really just real with like, okay, okay, I do it this time, this day, I'm doing it this day. Is that, is that really going to be, you know, yeah. an issue? And I was going to say back to your, the testosterone thing. So, okay. So if you stop masturbating on day eight, it spikes and then it comes back to baseline. But are you saying that we are below baseline in those first seven days? Of testosterone? Well, I think it's building up. So at, at the point of release, I think that there is a dip below baseline. It returns back to baseline. And then there's a gradual increase up until day seven when it peaks. And then by the end of day seven, it's back now returning back to your baseline. So what does that mean exactly? What does, it, what does that mean for us? The people who want to, you know, not fap? Well, I think from a from an evolutionary, because you were, you know, you're talking, you know, the evolutionary perspective here earlier, I think it is designed there to, by day seven, if you're not out there trying to, you know, go out there and reproduce, procreate, like there should be a drive, like up to like, like, then go, because with increased testosterone, it's going to increase drive, motivation, then want to go out there and do more, whether it's hunt or find a mate to procreate with. So I think from an evolutionary perspective, a lot, that's why that's built in there. For those that don't want to fap, that's a great question, right? Because do you want to be at baseline or you'd want to have those spikes? For me, I talked about, you know, my, my faith being a big part of this journey for me. So, you know, months prior to really getting to the point where I realized that this was having a major impact on my life, I did come to my faith and I gave my life to Christ. And that's been a big part of these last four years for me. So it's been no porn, no masturbation, nothing for four years. Cause I'm a single guy. I'm not, I'm not married. And I don't believe at this point in having sex outside of my marriage. So it's been a difficult challenge and struggle for me at, at that amount of time. I can tell you that it just naturally kind of just nocturnal release will, will come out. But how often um, do you have that? It, it took a while in the beginning, probably four or five months before I experienced anything like that. But I'd also had issues with, I don't want to say abuse steroids, but as a bodybuilder, I was, you know, participating in some, you know, recreational use there that I kind of had to detox and go through. Now it's really on a monthly, you know, I, and I don't even really keep a log or cycle of it, but it, I feel it happens maybe once a month, maybe every three weeks or so. Okay. Got it. Cause you don't fap at all. Mm -mm. Okay. And what do you do when you get urges? Like when you go on social media and you see a girl on Instagram or I don't know, you're watching TV. If you watch it, uh, an episode of something and you're like, Whoa, uh Oh, here I am. I'm turned on. I'm getting that urge again. What do you do? Well, I really try to control what I consume, right? So social media hasn't really had a triggering episode for me because I've really set it up in a way that, you know, TikTok is going to be the only one that's going to throw something at me. I think I've hacked the Instagram algorithm to not, not show me any type of content like that. I recognize it from, you know, first, second time. Like, even if this, like the one thing I saw, it's like, now it's time to get off because if I'm seeing something like that, it probably means I've been on it a little <laughs> bit too, yeah. too long. You know, I use the tools that we teach our guys, right. You know, uh, one put the phone down. Like if you're feeling urgent, it's being created by this device that's in my hand. Well, let me just remove that 
that trigger, breathing, meditation, journaling, the removal of an environment, depending on the time of, 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 of the day, getting outside, going on a walk, but understanding that if that urge is really the need for a dopamine hit, well, where can I produce a dopamine hit in the real world? So identifying this, like something small that I can kind of complete a task, starting it, doing it, and then completing it will produce a small hit of dopamine because it's going to give me that motivation to then move on to the next one. So got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Any other tips out there for the listeners who are struggling with porn addiction, who are struggling with, you know, having masturbation to take over their life? I think the biggest one is, is find somebody in your life that you can talk to about it. Like this is not something that I think should be attempted at trying to overcome by yourself. Like I think once you begin in, you know, whether you find a mentor in your life an older brother, an uncle, father type figure, whoever, whoever it is, don't go to your wife. Don't go to the girl in your life. Keep it male, you know, keep the conversation male centric, but find people that you can have a conversation with. Cause I think what you realize at, at that point, you know, you've probably been, if you're really struggling, you've been living with this and probably looking at yourself through a negative lens. Like, why am I the only person or how am I ever going to overcome this? Or can I ever break free from this? When you begin to have real conversations you know, man, you probably hear from so many guys, right? Like this is literally maybe not every man's problem, but there's a vast majority of the men in the world today that are struggling with this. So I think when you begin to have conversations in and around it and begin to work through it, like it begins to feel like it's actually achievable to break free. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, man. This is definitely an epidemic. We did not have such easy access to pornography like we did 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, this is brand new in the history of life. I mean, yeah, I'm sure people had porn addiction in the 60s and 70s. I'm sure yeah. it existed. You can get your hands on that stuff. But if you're like 15 years old, it's nearly impossible in 1978. Yeah. 1995 even. Well, that was to get my your hands on it. Yeah, I had to, you know, I had to go like scrummage around my dad's drawers and and find a magazine and and hopefully you know not get caught that I stole it or maybe steal one from the Seven Eleven and then drop it in the woods at the fort or whatever. So yeah, it was a lot harder. Average age of first exposure today is 10, 11 years old. You know, oh God. Gary Wilson talks about it. So Gary Wilson wrote uh, your brain on porn. He passed away earlier this year, but real, oh, real pioneer, cool. you know, in, in the no fap and kind of porn addiction space. He's got a great talk on YouTube called the great porn experiment. You know, we're living through, you know, the first generation Gen Z, I think it is, is really the first generation of young men today. These are the guys that are in their 19, 20, 21 years old that have had this with them their, their entire life. So I do think that it's an experiment. I don't know if it's intentional, but like it's, 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 it's changing the way that men see women. It's changing the way that girls see themselves. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for people like yourself that'll open up their platform and have these conversations though, because I think it is needed and hopefully we begin to get it more accepted. Right. Because most people, it's that first offense, like, Oh, it's not a real thing or, Oh, I don't want to hear and talk about this. Well, it's here and it's, it's not going anywhere. For yeah. It's bit. here. So it's real. Frank, you're helping people. It's amazing. And yeah, of course, man, I definitely want to be talking about this and have this be a, a consistent conversation on the podcast. You're not even the first person I've talked to about it. I've had other episodes about the, the effects, the negative effects on porn, mm. porn addiction over the course of the past seven years I've been doing the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, for all the guys who, who've been listening to my stuff for a while, you know that I'm all about having you go out and actually talk to women. 
Yeah. And I know that porn can kill that motivation, right? It can kill that hunger. It's like, um, got it. I can almost relate it to like eating candy and donuts and sweets. You know, it's two <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon and you're super hungry and you know, you know, you can eat like a healthy salad with, you know, olive oil and greens and chicken, but instead you go for something really quick and delicious. Maybe it's fast food. Maybe you just eat like a donut real quick. And what happens? Yeah. It tastes really good. But then you feel like shit afterwards and you didn't get the nutrients in. Mm-hmm. I can almost compare that to porn. It's like, well, you know, you're horny, you're a man, you want to have a sexual experience you could just whip out your phone and fap it in the bathroom. Yeah. Or you can take time to actually make real connections with the real human beings instead of a screen. And you'll be so much more fulfilled doing it that way. 100%. Pursuit, challenge, yeah. reward, right? Like that's the way that it's the way that it's designed. We hijack that when we go straight to the reward, whether it's with candy and then we, you know, it destroys our palate. We no longer enjoy the fruit. You know, we don't enjoy the sweetness of the fruit, or we hijack the the pursuit you know, of, of women by just going straight to the completion. That's, you know, that's touching on like the super normal stimulus, right? You know, like pornography is just going to give you such a massive, massive spike that like, it doesn't even in, in the moment, it doesn't even feel as good to go out there and pursue a woman because I can go get this hit right now where it's going to take me maybe a couple of weeks or, you know, at, at least a few hours to replicate that in the real world. Much, much more difficult, right? But yeah. what Dr. Ham- Andrew Huberman says, right? Massive amounts of dopamine without the precursor of difficult work is the destruction of men. Yep. Oh man. I, yeah. I just listened to that. There's a episode with Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And that one, that line stuck with me. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We're getting dopamine, but like not for doing anything special, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and how does that yeah. end up rewarding you. It, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, they've done that with the rat studies, right? You know, they hook the rats up and they can just kind of hit the button and it gives them cocaine. And then like the food is sitting right there and they'll just constantly hit the button to get cocaine until they end up killing themselves. Yeah. Like we're wired exactly the same. Like not that watching pornography is going to eventually kill you, but it's going to suck you dry of all your motivation to want to go out there and, and pursue women, pursue goals, pursue purpose and meaning in the world. Um, interesting enough, I remember, I wonder if you've heard this before too, the study on rats with them clicking that button to get more cocaine, I heard that when they're in isolation, they do it a lot more, mm-hmm. but when they're actually in a community of other rats and they, and they have total freedom and, and availability to the cocaine, I don't remember specifically because yeah. a while ago I heard it, either they like didn't go and get it or they did it less, way less frequently. It was the isolation yeah. that kept them wanting to just get that hit, right? Because there's something that happens when we're surrounded by people and other humans exactly. and, yeah. and we feel connected. And that's why you ask, yeah. And that's why you ask, you know, what are some of the things we do with the men? You know, we provide them a community. We provide them a safe place. We're going to have, you know, real conversation. We're going to give you the support, the coaching, the accountability that you needed. I don't remember where I heard this quote, but it, it became really clear to me late earlier this year. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's the community and connection that you build in the pursuit of sobriety. So for the first year and a half trip, I did only one-on-one coaching because I was kind of new in the realm and I was like, I wanted to make sure I could really kind of control the entire environment. When I shifted to the the group model though, like our success, our impact and what the guys were experiencing, the freedom that they were like 10 X because there was now this environment of like other people 
working together. So yeah, that study, man, like I, I definitely remember that part of it. Yeah. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Dude, this has been great. We really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Really excited to be on yours whenever you're ready to have me. And it's always good to talk to people in this space that are just trying to help guys and just live healthy, happier, more fulfilling lives. That's my mission. And I'm Mm. glad that that's yours. So dude, just keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're doing God's work and I appreciate it. And just a big thank you. And I'll say thank you on behalf of all the guys who are listening. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, brother. And, and big fan of you, man, too, right? You're out there, you know, giving the, the tools to the guys that get out there and actually have the conversations, pursue the women, like, you know, get out in the world and begin to live and experience this life. It's not in a bedroom. It's not behind a screen. It's out there in this people. So big fan of you, man, and looking forward to having you on the show as well. Awesome. And just tell the guys where they, they can find you and find all your materials. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to check out the podcast, uh, it's at the Superman life. You can find us on Apple or any of the platforms. We're all over the place out there. Those conversations go far beyond pornography addiction. It's really to help men level up in all areas of their life, whether it's the faith, fitness, finance, family, or freedom. And then for me, you know, connect with me on Instagram, best place to find me personally. If you have questions, feel free to DM me. I do reply to every message. That's at coach Frank Rich and check out our YouTube channel. We do daily video. We have for over two years. That's also at coach Frank Rich. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. And Frank, thanks again for coming on in. Awesome. Thank you.